to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. All right. Well, hello, Victory family. Hope you are all doing well today. And, you know, it's uh, once again, it's so good to be here. Uh, hope that you are all uh, safe in your own homes. Those of you who are watching from uh, Zoom, FB, once again, YouTube, IGTV, uh, what else? Uh, wherever we are broadcasting, okay? Uh, GMA. And to all who are here in the auditorium physically worshiping with us, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. You know, we're just excited because uh, in a few weeks, maybe, we'll be opening this center. And so, yeah, this is a bold statement. We're going to be announcing it soon on FB. And so, please, um, you know, stay tuned for our announcements later on. Today, by the way, is uh, the first day of November, November 1. It's All Saints Day. And how many of you know that you and I are the saints of God? So it's our day today, right? Uh, it's All Saints Day. It's uh, Today's the, the Living Saints Day of God. And so uh, we are, um, you know, just celebrating that. Also, I remember it's also the birthday of my sister-in-law, Jenny. Happy birthday. And uh, if you notice on the stage, it's actually almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas. And here on the stage is actually, you know, a nice decor here. How many of you appreciate our stage here? Uh, we, you know, kakulay ko yata yung jacket na to, no? tsaka yung, uh, yung firm. Anyway, appreciate the team uh, that actually helped decorate this stage. Uh, Shirley, my wife, Miss Marianne, thank you. To the Exy Boys, thank you for the time to fix up this stage. It's really so nice. Uh, sarap patulog dito mamaya, okay? Alright, so we are actually uh, at near the end of our preaching series on the book of Romans. Uh, this is actually, uh, I think, week number 21. So one more week next week. So we're on Romans chapter 14. And, you know, after that, we're going to be talking about a brand new series in November. And after that November series will be the Christmas series. Wow. And then 2020 is almost over. And so 2021 is... It's here soon. And so uh, I do hope that you're all in faith, hopeful for what God is about to do for the remaining part of this year and for next year, 2021. Now, if you're looking for a title for this message this morning, we're going to be focusing on Romans chapter 14. And I've entitled my message, Don't Judge Me. Say that to the person beside you. Don't Judge me. Now, if you're sitting with your family members, uh, husband, wife, okay, uh, maybe children, just tell them, mom, don't judge me, okay? Especially, you know, if you're a teenager already. You know, my question for us today is Have you ever been judged? Wow. Lakasan sagot dito, okay? Have you ever been judged by people? Maybe because of the way you speak, or maybe because of the way you dress up, maybe the, your mannerisms, maybe your weight. They're judging you for your weight or maybe even the food that you eat or you don't eat or the music that you listen to, whether it's all Korean, like Dynamite or whatever, or whatever is that, okay? Or the movies that you watch on Netflix, K-drama pa rin yun, no? You know, judgment is something that is present among us human beings from the first First day, I guess. Uh, judgment is something that we pass on to others even before we really get to know them. Another way of saying judgment is, I'm just sizing you up. You know, judgment is something that we love to give, but we hate to receive. We get offended by it. 
nobody wants to be judged or criticized and we feel like our value is being diminished when somebody judges us. We try so hard to fit in so that we can avoid judgment. That is why we behave or we speak or even dress a certain way and we do not want to be considered weird by others or different. You know, in the early days of victory, I remember when Pastor Ferdy Kabiling was still one of our youth pastors. Uh, he used to have like long hair and uh, he would receive special notes from the offering envelope. It's not cash. It's actually a love note, okay? And questioning whether that particular hairstyle of his long hair is actually a Christian hairstyle. Can you imagine that? He's a youth pastor, and so he's giving his best to be able to relate to uh, the young people during that time. But have you ever heard or made some of these statements? For example, uh, I don't want to go to that church because the music is too loud or the light is just too bright. It's like a concert. You're going to a concert. That's not the solemn Christian way. Or maybe you saw a church leader who was eating at a restaurant eating chocolate meat or dinuguan, and on his right hand is NAB, non-alcoholic beer. And you said, that's not right. That's compromise. Or maybe you are a business owner and you decided to close your shop on Sundays and in order to observe the holy day of God. And so you also have a friend who's a business owner and you said to the business owner, you know what? You'll be more blessed if you close your restaurant one day a week. Or someone enters a church service, maybe with tattoos, with body piercings, with ripped jeans or whatever. And you said to yourself, just, you know, this is not the place for that person. Those of us who do not want to be judged, have you ever judged people based on some trivial matters of faith? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today in Romans chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open it to Romans chapter 14. We'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 12. Romans chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 12. As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him. But do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this and for to this end, Christ died and lived again, and he might be the Lord both of the living or the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let's just pray right now. Father, teach us how to become a people of love and acceptance, not a people of judgment and criticism. I thank you, Lord God, that we will move to love people and to unite them in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, each of us come from a different church background before we got saved. Some come from no church background at all, while others come from a super religious background with a lot of traditions. You know, growing up here in um, the nation of the Philippines, being a Catholic nation, many, most of us are Catholics. Our family is one of those who live in a lot of traditions. And, you know, the result of this, joining in a church like this, that is multi, not multi-ethnic, but multi-dimensional in, uh, of sorts, from different backgrounds, different ages, different uh, belief system growing up, there is division, there is judgment, sometimes there's arguments, sometimes there's offenses, trying to push our religious convictions to one another. You know, in the early church, there is a similar problem. Some of the churchgoers were Gentiles and Greeks, and they were used to idol worship. And there were also some Jews in the church who were so used to having strict ceremonial and dietary laws. And there was a big argument between the different camps, and Paul was trying to address in certain, you know, certain arguments on certain religious practices. And the major issues of the early church were two things, diet and days. How many of you have an issue with diet? Please raise your hand. How many of you have a problem with diet? Okay. You know, some of us would like to go for a diet 20 days, lose 20 pounds in 20 days. You know, that's not a nice diet. Okay. But diets and days, you know, it was an issue in the early church. And many times it's also an issue for us today. In the early, uh, in the Roman culture, it is actually a usual practice to offer animal sacrifices in the temple and then take the meat and sell the best part in the market for food. Now for the Gentiles, they have no problem with that. Or with this practice because it is just meat. It didn't mean anything to them. But for the Jews, it's a big problem for them. Because this has been meat sacrificed to idols. It's almost like idolatry. It's eating that is something unclean. And we see that there had been divisions in the early church. And so it is today. We do not have a perfect church. How many of you will say amen to that? This is not a perfect church. Victory is not a perfect church. Every nation is not a perfect movement. We all have differences. Even our pastors in Alabang, for example, we all have different practices, preferences, but yet we are coming from the same uh, faith. Uh, of course, the essential doctrines were one and the same, but sometimes there are non-essentials that we can actually be different. And so we are still being sanctified by God, and our unrenewed mind can push us to force others to become like that. Realize this that there will always be somebody in the church that you won't get along with. You're different. And I am different. And people around you are different. And guess what? There will always be friction. There will be always be uh, the people in church that you will not agree with on certain issues and you don't like for some reason. In fact, they may be seated beside you right now. So look at the person beside you. Uh, you know, just make sure that you like that person, okay? And there are three admonitions in Romans chapter 14 that we can see from the Apostle Paul's writing. Number one is, accept one another as God has accepted you. 
And we can see this, and I'm going to quote from the NIV version. It says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. You know, Paul is admonishing us to accept, to welcome, unbelie- uh, to welcome believers, to stop fighting about trivial matters. In fact, when people come to church and they were new in faith, you know, maybe somebody's got, you know, uh, finished one-to-one, or maybe somebody uh, is just about to go to Victory Week. And by the way, we're excited for the Victory Week. We have over 100 people who are going to go to Victory Weekend in the next few days. In the midst of pandemic, the gospel is still advancing. Amen. And so, you know, if we see people like that coming to church and they're quite new, our first response ought to be not to judge and not to criticize because they're different from us. Our first response ought to be to accept, to welcome them, to reach out a hand to them, to help them. You know, but the reality is people love to argue about the most trivial stuff. Like children playing in the playground. Have you ever seen children playing in the playground? After a few minutes, away na sila. Sometimes church people are like that. Sad to say. And Paul distinguishes between two groups of people. He said one is strong and one is weak. Now what does the apostle Paul mean by weak? He's not talking about morally weak. He's not the one who's struggling with sin or compromise. This is not the weak person that Paul was referring to. But Paul refers to the weak believer as the legalistic one. At first reading, you know, one would think that the weak are the ones who can eat anything and the strong are the ones who have convictions and they can only eat veggies. You know? But the weak believers that Paul is talking about are those that are having a hard time believing in the gospel truth that brings them freedom. And we see this in verse 2. One person believes he may eat anything. How many of you are like that? Okay, Uh, I think there's a word there. One who eats anything. Grand grand gougier. Okay, You you can check that in the dictionary. Grand gougier. Okay, grand gougier. One who eats anything that you put in front of him. Another person believes he can eat anything, while the other weak person, the Bible says, eats only vegetables. Now, I have no comment to all the vegetarians and vegans. I don't want to offend people today, okay? Please don't judge me. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Can you imagine this? If you imagine a long table and God invited us to sit down with him and dine with him and we're eating together in a meal and I'm eating all the meat that I can and somebody beside me is just eating salad, I cannot go and say, you're missing a lot. And I'm not going to judge him or condemn him for what his faith is because we are privileged that we have been invited to sit in the same table with God. You know, those who are weak are the people who are sometimes over-legalistic, over the non-essentials of the faith. They put unnecessary baggage of the Old Testament law upon themselves and even judge others for the freedom that others have. In other words, those who are observing the dietary laws, eating kosher or veggies, are the weak in faith, according to Paul. 
And the weak believers are the legalistic ones, but they think that they are the ones who are stronger and better and holier because they are actually feeling that they're doing something for God. And sometimes they are doing things that God did not require for them to do. You know, the Pharisees were like that. They're putting more burden onto themselves and more burden on others. And why is the weak believer the legalistic one? Maybe because it takes more faith to believe that Jesus is enough, that you cannot add anything else to the cross. You know, to measure if you have strong faith, measure how much you believe that Jesus is enough. Everybody say that with me. Jesus is enough. You know, Jesus is enough. Yes. Jesus is enough for me. You know, in our faith, we can't add any more to that. Jesus is enough. In fact, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We can add on to the gospel. We can add on to what his work is on the cross. We can add on anymore. He said, it is done. It is finished. It is paid for. What are we trying to prove? Are we trying to add on to his sacrifice? Legalism seeks to add to the gospel. And this is the issue of the Apostle Paul when he was writing to the book of Galatians. Uh, yeah, Galatians. And there's nothing that we can add to what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. You know, the strong are those who understand fully that the Bible is and is not restrictive about. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. For example, here in this verse, the strong person understands that the Bible is not restrictive about what kind of food to eat. The Christian has freedom. And all the meat lovers would say, Amen. <laughs> for example, my question for us today is this. Is it wrong to eat dinuguan? Yes, if you do not have puto beside it. You know, this is an example of what the Apostle Paul is saying. To some believers, eating dinuguan is perfectly okay, while to others, they'll have a problem with that. The weak person views that some kinds of food are unspiritual, and he shouldn't eat those foods. They would revert back to the Old Testament dietary code and say that's unclean. Some would even say that communion to be valid should be unleavened bread. Can you imagine that? So the wafers that we're using or the pandisal that you're breaking it from is not a valid communion element for some believers. I mean, they actually go to the extreme of just going into the nitty-gritty of the trivial matters of the faith. They major too much on the minor, majoring on the non-essentials of the faith. Talking about food, Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he said, for everything, everybody say everything, Everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and by prayer. So the next time you eat that crispy pata and that sisig and that dinuguan, just thank the Lord. Make sure that you don't also cause another person stumble. Because of what you're doing. We are to be sensitive to others as well. Don't flaunt it to them. Don't say, I am a stronger man of faith because you can't eat this. You know, maybe that person has gout and you're judging him already that he cannot eat such food. You know, in all these things, we are to be sensitive to others as well. 
even if you have no problem with eating these kinds of stuff, our responsibility as Christians is so, is so that we can actually accept and welcome those that are weak in the faith. You know, in Acts chapter 10, when Peter had a vision from God, he was in the roof waiting. I don't know, he was having a trance. And God showed him a vision of a sheet with all these um, um, uh, you know, unclean animals. And God said to him, eat. And Peter said, I cannot eat. These are all unclean. And God said in Acts chapter 10, verse 15, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Because that was the time when God's opening the door for the Gentile believers to come and share also in the redemptive gift of the gospel. And about the days of festivities, for example, Romans chapter 14, verse 5, it says, No, one person, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. And some people would say that Saturday is the only day to worship because it is the real Sabbath. So yung mga nag-attend mga Sabbath service. Yeah, that's the real Sabbath, which the Jews observe. While to some it is Sunday, the first day of the week. For me personally, I think any day is a good day to worship God. Saturday is the last day of creation, while Sunday is the first day of redemption. And every day in between is actually sanctified and made holy by God himself. Amen. And so we're to accept one another and don't argue with other believers. When someone judges you for something trivial, don't argue with them, but receive them. Put out a hand of reconciliation to them and love them. That's my first point. Second point is this. Have convictions as you submit to Christ. You got to have convictions. You got to be convinced about what you believe in. Don't be swayed by others because of the faith that you have. In verse 5, it says, each one should be convinced in his own mind. And to be fully convinced means that after looking at all the evidence, checking it out, considering the different views on a certain issue, you have come to a settled conclusion in your mind about what you want to stand for. Notice that many times Paul mentioned the Lord Jesus Christ in the following verse, and I'd like to read from Verse 6 uh, onwards, the one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. And give thanks to God, for none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you eat, however it is that you practice your worship, as long as you put your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, that is your conviction according to your conscience. Did you notice that there is a certain amount of margin and variance in the lifestyle choices that the believers can make with regards to their relationship with God? Is there a certain standard or dress code that we have to have in church in order for us to be accepted by God? Do we have to wear jeans all the time? Do we have to wear a skirt? Do we have to put on makeup? Do we have to wear long hair? Do we have to, you know, there's just so many things that we're asking sometimes that are really irrelevant. 
in the way we worship? Is this a valid place for worship, meeting in a mall? Or should we go to a regular place of worship, a church with a cross? If we have fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus in our lives, then we are free to make up our own minds in this disputable areas. Do you want to eat samgyup? Eat it for Jesus is your Lord. Do you want to just eat veggies? Receive it with thanksgiving unto the Lord. Amen. Do you want to go vegan? I love vegan longanisa. Do you want to drink with your steak? Give thanks to the Lord. Jesus is king. If that is your conviction, then make up your mind. I won't judge you. Now for the other non-essentials, like practices or preferences that do not affect one's salvation, there's a lot. Can you imagine with me? Like, for example, watching movies back in the day, you'll be judged if you are a Christian and you go to the movie theater. Now, people have Netflix in their home and they binge watch. Things like interracial marriage, hairstyles, politics, smoking, divorce, remarriage, women preachers, drinking wine, women wearing jewelry, raising children, dating standards, pledging, mode of baptism, worship style. Should it be solemn? Should it be loud? Should it be contemporary? Should it be traditional? Timing of the rapture, school choice, age of the earth, whether it's a young earth or old earth, birth control, and many, many other non-essential things that does not affect our salvation. Remember, we are not talking about clear moral issues of sin or doctrines that are essential to salvation. My question for us today is, is it wrong to steal? Of course, because Jesus is Lord. Can I commit adultery? No way, because Jesus is my King. Is it wrong to kill? Of course it is wrong to kill and to commit murder. We have no options or preferences about things that the Bible specifically said. It's a command to obey, like the Ten Commandments, or the essentials of the faith, or the gospel, like authority of the Scripture, the inerrancy of the Scripture, the virgin birth, the deity of Jesus, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the atonement, the resurrection from the dead, and salvation by faith alone. I mean, these are the essentials that we need to fight for. By this, there's no middle ground. But for the non-essentials, let's actually be open-minded to this. In fact, back in the 4th century, Augustine summarized all this very well. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. The essentials are the clear moral teachings of Jesus. And it's the very heart of the gospel. Salvation, the salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone. We must all be united in all the essential aspects of the faith. They are non-negotiables. The non-essentials are all the other things that I've enumerated a while ago. We should have an attitude of liberty, freedom, uh, you know, at least trying to accommodate people in their faith and in their conviction 
And in all other things, we should respond in charity and in love. This is what the Apostle Paul is writing in Romans chapter 14. My last point is this as I come to a close. Don't judge others as each one will be judged by God. Let me say that again. Don't judge others as each one will be judged by God. In verse 10, it says, Why do you pass judgment on your brothers? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You know, to judge in this context means not simply to evaluate his lifestyle. The the word judge implies that you come to a negative conclusion about the way that person lives. And that's a wrong way to judge. It's a derogatory kind of judging. Judging in this context soon leads to a looking down on other believers. Because you believe that you are a better or a much superior Christian than others, maybe because you do things that they can't do, or you don't do things, the things that they normally do, because you're different. You know what? As believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should never condemn or despise one another. We must not be harsh. We must not have a critical spirit. We must not be condemning. We must not have a rolling of the eye. Hmm, ko na yan. Chura lang. You know, we have all this different way of us disagreeing with people and in our hearts we're judging them. There should be no mocking. Look at him. Look at the color. There's no feeling of superiority because we're all the same. We're on equal playing field in the eyes of our God. It is not my place to put laws over my friends that God himself does not place there. So we need to back off from our demanding from demanding people to follow our rules and our convictions and our preferences. We're not the Holy Spirit. We cannot change others. Focus on things that unite us, not on things that divide us. And the job that we have as believers is to help resolve conflict, not to start it. And if you hear someone judging another, be a resolver of conflict. Be a peacemaker of the situation. And the Bible says, and Jesus said this in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are sons of God. The last verse I want to focus on is in verse 12. It says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You know, Paul, when he was writing this, he was saying, it's the Lord who judges me. You won't judge me in the end. And I don't even judge myself in the end. It's the good judge, the righteous judge, who's going to judge all of us. Remember that there's only one judge. And we are not that judge. Live in such a way that you have nothing to fear on that awesome day. Because we will all stand individually before God. 
No one will answer for another person. You will answer for yourself. Your wife won't be there. Your husband won't be there. Your victory group leader won't be there. Your pastor won't be there. You will stand before the judge and answer for yourself. May we live lives that are pleasing to God, knowing that one day we will face our Maker and our good judge. Let's just pray right now as we come to a close. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this time. And first of all, we want to repent. Lord, we repent for judging people. We repent for judging others. We repent for judging churches. We repent for other members of the body of Christ. Lord, we ask that you would cleanse us and help us Lord, those of us who are strong to not judge, but to welcome and to accept those who are weak in faith. Help us to be a reconciler, God. Help us to be children of peace. To move and be inclusive in the fellowship of the believers. You know, if you're attending this online service today, and you have not given your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ yet. As I said earlier, there will be a judgment day. But you don't have to be judged with your sin anymore. And it's all done by accepting the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He freely gave that to us when He died on the cross. And it's all about you coming before Him and surrendering your life and praying the simple prayer and asking Him for His grace. Can you pray this prayer with me? Just follow alongside, along with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent because I am a sinner needing you as my Savior. From this day on, I turn away from what the Bible says sin and I put my trust in the finished work that you have given to me on the cross. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I believe that he is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for saving me Thank you for giving me a brand new life. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and there's no more judgment for me because I have surrendered everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.